from WDBM East Lansing, you're listening to the Green and White Report, a production from Impact Sports. This is your source for sports news, debates, and more for Michigan State, Detroit, and the rest of the sports world. Happy Sunday, East Lansing. Green and White Report here. We got a very special episode here for you today. Trent Bally here, joined by Henry Hank Menegos and my guy Luke Sloan. No Ryan Collins this week, but that's all right. We're gonna we're we're still gonna bring the energy. We're gonna bring a lot of good content for you guys. No MSU football either, but uh, you know, I mean, I'm I'm feeling good. The holidays are quickly approaching. I've got my Impact shirt on. You know, kind of coincidentally but how are you guys doing how are we feeling on this saturday night as we record you know what i gotta say green and white night edition is kind of a, it's kind of a mood you know i'm very relaxed yeah. i'm very I'm, I'm, I'm in a good state of mind i'm ready just you know kind of i don't know it's just a different vibe i'm, I'm here for it though lacking in the, i'm lacking in the attire that you uh showed out for trent i actually thought about like putting a hat on I have my Tigers hat just over here sitting on my desk here from the home studio, we'll call it. Hey, go um, Tigers. So go Tigers. Big moves for the Tigers. Big moves for the Pistons. We'll get into that yes. a little bit later. But I, I like the nighttime vibe, too. You know, a post-dinner episode. I mean, when people are listening to this, it's going to be morning. You know, you might be finishing up your breakfast or your lunch or your brunch. But, you know, we're all full. I had plenty of college football to watch. And we're rolling. Late night edition. Yeah, also kind of a, I would say a little bit of a Thanksgiving edition. Stick around for the Sparty Awards coming up in a little while. Uh, we're going to do our top four Thanksgiving foods. But Thanksgiving is right around the corner. We're all at home. We are all home for the holidays, I guess you could say. So it's a family affair this week. Uh, and again, we're recording on a Saturday night on a very short notice, but we're still here for you, bringing you sports content on a Sunday morning in Lansing. This is great. We will start with our normal segment, um, the Ryan Collins special. What made you mad this week? So, Hank, I'm going to kick it to you first, actually, as a seasoned veteran with this segment. What made you mad this week? Yo, Trent, we didn't put this in the doc, man. I completely forgot about this. Well, it actually is in the doc. I don't think you quite did your job because it's right there. <laughs> it is. It's, there. It's, a... <laughs> it's at the top have, right there. I have a second confirmation. Did you guys prepare one? I, I got to think now. Uh, I've done this Slow, so many times. One? I've done this hey, so many times. Don't worry. We'll come back to you. Slow, slow I'm, you have I'm pretty surprised, you know, I'm the rookie on this program, you know, (laughs) you know, first time caller, long time listener kind of thing. Um, And love the segment, big fan of the segment. And I am prepared. um, And it actually does kind of factor in what made me mad this week was not getting a chance to watch Michigan State uh, strap it up against Maryland, uh, which would have been earlier this afternoon. Um, You know, as always, looking forward to Mel Tucker's squad, um, you know, making progress really nothing to get that excited about in, you know, this season. But I was excited to get a look at Maryland, um, you know, Mike Loxley's group and, and Mike Loxley's uh, second year there. Um, he's been able to do a lot through recruiting. Uh, Tua Tungavailoa's brother uh, is under center for them. You know, they knocked off Penn State in their last game that they were able to play. Um, so I was looking forward to seeing what Mel Tucker and Michigan State was going to have for that team. Um, I guess it, the, the two things that maybe matter would be, one, one uh, A Michigan State Maryland being canceled, and then one B just the weirdness of this week. Uh, no Studio H, no cozy Studio H. Uh, weird stuff all around. But you know it's Thanksgiving, and we're thankful for just having sports. So I hope I, I hope I bought enough time for you there, Hank. 
I lost it. I thought of one. I did. And uh, man, I'm bad. I it literally just went out of my head. <laughs> I, Trent, you got to go, dude. What? what I, I lost you guys for a second. I completely dismissed everything that happened. But I'm back. Are we still good? I got kind of sappy there for a sec because I was talking about, you know, being thankful for sports and I'm oh, not yeah. trying to be too mad just because we got sports. So I was kind of contrasting with the theme of the segment. But, uh, yeah, Henry, still not prepared, so we're going to kick it to you. No, that, that's okay. That's all right. I, I lost you guys for a second, but I'm glad I'm back. There's no, uh, no issues here. And, again, yes, to Sloan's point, disclaimer, no Michigan State football this week. Uh, the game canceled due to a COVID-19 outbreak on the Maryland turf and squad. I'm sure everyone's heard about it. But the Spartans will be back in action next weekend at Northwestern – excuse me, at Michigan State playing Northwestern. We'll be here to bring you all the coverage and all that good stuff. But what made me mad this week has to be the fact that – and it's a bittersweet mad because I got home and I, I'm so tight with my brothers. We have so much fun. But we stay up till 6 a.m. and it just completely throws off – my entire day and my sleep schedule and everything. But am I, do I care enough to change it? Not really. So maybe I shouldn't complain about it, but I guess that's what I got. So, I mean, we, we just stay up playing video games, just chatting, just doing what we got to do. And it's fun. And then you look down at the clock, you're like, holy cow, it's like six in the morning. Hank, what made you mad? That's, yeah. That's like the whole, like uh, Christmas break, like in, in high school vibe, you know, where you just stay up like yeah. ungodly late every night, but I got in at four o'clock last night. I drove. I drove from from East Lansing last night. I got in at four. So that was, you know, I'm I'm with you there. But anyways, what made me mad this week, and I want I actually want your guys' opinions on this. MSU, which I know is pretty typical for them, has a two day Thanksgiving break. But I got, I'm hearing about colleges that have like seven to ten days. I'm That's gonna, I'm true. I think it always doesn't it have something to do with the fact that we start later or something weird. I, it could I don't be, know. yeah. I was curious about what you guys thought about that, but I was like, man, these guys over here are getting 10 days off, man. Well, what do I think about it? It's definitely BS. I don't Sloan, what do you think? I'm in full agreement. I mean, Michigan State scheduling-wise has pretty much been a total nightmare. I know since Trent and I have been on campus, Henry joined the fold last year. I mean, number one, we were supposed to get a fall break this year. That never happened. You know, all the other universities – Central, Grand Valley, uh, Michigan, the Wolverines, they all get a fall break. We were supposed to get that and didn't have that. Then we received word not long ago that spring break is not really going to commence as normal this year. So there's another breakdown. Couple that with a short Thanksgiving break. Um, not fair. Not fair by the university. Um, you know, they're, uh, they're putting us on right now. Uh, on, on, we're, they sponsor the airwaves we're adorning right now. So I don't want to get uh, too much university slander. But Thanksgiving break should be – a week. I have friends that have been home for far longer than me, so I know exactly how you feel. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just the latest installment in this wild ride that is the COVID-19 riddled uh, year, I guess, 2020. Uh, but that's enough of that. I guess I, ultimately not a whole lot to complain about. You guys are right. Life is good. We're all just trekking along. We're here for the ride. So let's move into um, some big headlines that happened this week. Obviously, you know, without Michigan State football, which we usually start the show with, We've got to talk about the NBA draft. Happened Wednesday night. Uh, There's a lot going on. Anthony Edwards goes number one to the Minnesota Timberwolves. James Wiseman selected number two to the Golden State Warriors. And LaMelo Ball rounding out the top three, heading to the Charlotte Hornets to play for Michael Jordan. Uh, So I guess I want to ask you guys, who who do you think wins Rookie of the Year? And and would you take one of these guys, or would you take the field to win the award? Sloan, we'll start with you. 
You know, this was an interesting question that you posed uh, when I took a look at the doc. Um, you know, initially, I think I'm going to say taking the field is probably the best option. You know, a lot has been made about this not really being, being an overwhelming lottery. Um, you know, it, there was some interesting draft day drama when James Wiseman got picked number two overall by the Warriors, obviously, in the wake of Clay Thompson's Achilles injury. You know, some people thought maybe they'll go LaMelo Ball there. They still went Wiseman. Um, I'm going with the field. If there was someone that was going to break that, I think it would be Wiseman because he's in a position where he can have a really good rookie year with Steve Kerr and the system that they have in Golden State. But there's a lot of people outside of Wiseman and outside of the top three who I really like a lot as players. I think Obi Toppin, one of the more mature players in this draft, uh, getting drafted by his hometown Knicks, I think he's going to have the chance to put up some numbers. I like Tyrese Halliburton's fit alongside De'Aaron Fox in Sacramento. And then Tyrese Maxey, I like that fit. He went number 20 to the 76ers. I think those are a couple guys that could sneak up on people. And just because it was kind of a lottery that was really never before seen um, is why I'm going to take the field in this scenario. Sorry, I was muted for a second. This is this is outrageous. Zoom on the airwaves. It is what it is. Whatever. I know this is going to come back to bite me in the butt, but I'm going to take James Wiseman to win the award. Um, the whole Clay Thompson injury, I, it's, it's crazy. Obviously, our thoughts and prayers are with him and his family as he's now going to miss a second straight season, something that doesn't often happen in professional sports, to a player of his caliber. So that, that obviously stinks if you're an NBA fan. I just feel like given that, uh, James Wiseman is going to be asked to do a lot in his rookie year. And I think playing alongside Steph Curry, that's really going to help him. I don't really know if this team is going to make any noise. You know, I'm seeing people, some of the experts, see him slipping out of the playoffs now at this point. Who knows if that's going to happen? we got to just roll the balls out and let it work. But I just really think that James Wiseman playing with Steph Curry, playing with Draymond Green, some of those seasoned veterans who have won, been there and won championships, and the exceptional coach that is Steve Kerr. We've seen centers come into Golden State and kind of revive their careers. JaVale McGee, Zaza Pachulia, uh, those kind of guys, Andrew Bogut. So I just kind of see James Wiseman really taking off. But um, Sloan, you bring up a great point. There's a lot of viable options even outside of the top three. So, Hank, do you have any thoughts? Well, I don't, know if, I don't know if you call this devil's advocate or what you want to call this, but I, I, think, I think somebody ought to do this. So uh, I'm going to throw out LaMelo Ball. What, what are you guys saying about that? I mean, that's, that's well, someone, yeah, I love yeah, it. You're exactly right. I mean, I think – is he the favorite right now? I don't I'm – not, I'm not a betting man, but if I were, I would probably put my money on LaMelo Ball. I know this is crazy because I just literally made an entire case for James Wiseman, but LaMelo Ball definitely is the he's – he's got the appeal right now. Uh, you know, obviously heads are turning. He's playing for Michael Jordan. Uh, the Hornets don't really have a whole lot going for him. And that backcourt is wide open, you know, as far as the minutes go. So he could definitely make some noise, but it's one of those things where it could also crash and burn. I don't know. Sloan, what do you think? Yeah, I think they really made a nice addition to their team. Um, they signed Gordon Hayward this afternoon, four years, uh, a, a big four-year contract uh, for, for uh, Gordon Hayward. You know, I think Hayward is a nice um, fit next to him. I just saw Henry put in the chat that uh, LaMelo Ball is the favorite. And I think that's definitely for a reason. Devontae Graham, Terry Rozier uh, will help him out, kind of help, you know, soften the blow in case he struggles a little bit midseason. Gordon Hayward, that seasoned veteran, who's probably going to be his backcourt partner. And, you know, and James Borrego, you know, friend of the program, Nathan Stearns, uh, is a Charlotte Hornets fan. So I actually know a lot more about this team than – than maybe the average uh, Michigander who's a sports fan. But I think that's a pretty solid pick. I mean, it was kind of back and forth between Ball and Wiseman 
for a couple of years on who was going to be number one overall. It didn't end up being either one of those guys, but either one of them has a pretty viable chance in my opinion. All right. So there you have it. I hit myself have James Wiseman. Henry has LaMelo Ball and Sloan's taking the field. Nonetheless, it's going to be a very interesting NBA draft class to watch work. Uh, but let's, let's move on into this now uh, as we are a Michigan State program here. Uh, Xavier Tillman going number 35 overall, ending up with the Memphis Grizzlies. Cassius Winston going number 53 overall in the second round, ending up with the Washington Wizards. I want to pose you guys this question. And Sloan, we talked about this on the Impact Is On podcast. Shameless plug, go check it out. Uh, and you have some fantastic insight on this. I want to ask, who do you think has the better rookie season? I'll let you go in a second. I'm going to say Tillman, and I'm going to let you outline all that because you have some great insight, as I just mentioned. But I reserve my right to change my opinion on this if, in fact, Bradley Beal and or John Wall are traded from Washington because that will really open up those rotation minutes for Cassius Winston to really get something going. Because I think the general consensus is, as we stand here about a month away from the season, that Cassius Winston really isn't going to play a whole lot in his rookie season, whereas Xavier Tillman, and Sloan, I'll kick it to you now, has a little bit more of an opportunity to play uh, behind, you know, uh, Valanchunas and uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., who, whom he's reunited with. Yeah, you definitely made a couple really good points there about the, the Wizards roster situation being very fluid. And that's why this is a really interesting question when thinking about who has the better rookie season. You know, because you think in the shoes of Cassius Winston, maybe John Wall stays, maybe he goes. He's got Ish Smith ahead of him on the depth chart, too, who is in a walk year. And they just brought in Raul Neto today as kind of another point guard to add to that rotation uh, in Washington. So the path to playing time for Cassius Winston is a little bit more difficult compared to what Xavier Tillman's dealing with now in Memphis. Obviously, playing with Jaron Jackson Jr., another fellow Spartan, uh, the relationship between those two was you know, a ton of fun to watch when they were both in East Lansing. So you're root for that kind of storyline. But JJJ, uh, Triple J, and Jonas Valanciunas, um, they're really the, they're the starting two big men, the four and the five for Memphis. But behind those two, there's not really a, a reliable backup four or backup five in Memphis other than Brandon Clark. So that's why there's a pretty good path to minutes as a rookie for Tillman. He can also play multiple positions. He can play the four, the five, maybe even the three in some bigger lineups. And he can guard multiple positions as well. You know, I made this comparison on the impact is zone. I think he kind of reminds me of Patrick Patterson, who just got a new contract today with the Clippers, someone who can shoot it pretty well from deep and play and guard multiple positions in the front court. And I think he's just mature beyond his years. You know, that's what they raved about when he was at Michigan State. And I think that's what they're going to rave about in the NBA. A, a big path to playing time for him at, with a Memphis team that's really trending upward. So it's going to be exciting to see, you know, how he evolves in that situation. And he's really fortunate to be in that situation, I think. Yeah, reigning rookie of the year, John Morant, kind of leading the charge there in Memphis. You bring up a great point about Tillman's versatility. I think, you know, he started to work on his shot a little bit towards the end of his career at Michigan State. And that obviously is something that kind of is a staple of the way the NBA is played these days. you got to be able to shoot threes. And Xavier Tillman is kind of in that sweet spot in terms of his height. He's in that 6'5 to 6'8 range where you can either be a big guard or a small big. And there's a plenty, you know, there's plenty of different lineups that they can throw you out in uh, depending on who your matchup is and all that good stuff. He's great defensively, obviously winning defensive player of the year in the Big Ten in 2020, locking up guys like Luke Garza uh, towards the end of the year on route to a Big Ten outright title or at least a share of it. Um, 
But that's enough for our Spartan talk. Let's move into the Detroit Pistons. Obviously, made some noise. Uh, so if you're a, if you're a Pistons fan, a Detroit fan, you got to be pretty happy. I would have to imagine with at least the draft, free agency, maybe a little bit of a different story. But obviously, that piece of the puzzle is not complete yet. But the Pistons, nonetheless, scoop up French point guard Killian Hayes at number seven overall in Wednesday night's draft. General manager Troy Weaver making moves uh, on this draft night, obviously coming into the draft with only one pick between the two rounds, left with four selections, uh, obviously picking Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bey in the first round. Uh, So I guess, Sloan, I want to ask you as a Detroit sports guy, what did you make of I think you broke up there is for a Sloan, second. Is your, internet, is your internet slow? I guess nah, we might I, be having issues. Tra- tra- yeah, yeah. Tra- I think we're losing you a little bit. But uh. Oh, you're losing me? Yeah, we're losing you a little bit. No big deal. I can okay. try to edit well, it out I'll, too a little bit. Well, I'll just say this. I'll, I'll say this about Killian Hayes, and then I'll kick it to you guys. I love the pick because I mentioned on the Motown Rundown, another shameless plug. Go check out that podcast if you want to. I like two guys in this draft for the Pistons. I liked LaMelo Ball, and I liked Killian Hayes. Uh, he's versatile. He's a tall six foot five point guard. Uh, he's got the French connection with Sekou Demboya, your other young core piece. Um, obviously, the Bruce Brown trade and the Luke Kennard trade, that's upsetting to some Pistons fans, but that does open up the backcourt, and I think Killian Hayes is going to get a lot of run in his rookie year, obviously still learning behind Derrick Rose, uh, at least for the start of the season. Obviously, there's some uh, rumors that D. Rose might be moving on, but that is just kind of how I see this whole situation. Killian Hayes is being groomed to be the next floor general. Luke, what do you think of the pick? Yeah, I was definitely thinking along the same lines as you on draft night. Um, you know, some of my friends who also follow Detroit sports pretty closely, you know, they were watching Obi Toppin drop, and they were like, Obi Toppin, Obi Toppin. He would eventually go number eight overall to the Knicks. But if the Pistons stayed at seven, which they did on draft night, I was all aboard for Killian Hayes. You mentioned the, uh, the draft uh, connection with Sekou, um, you know, both being French players. I think, you know, they're best friends, you know, texting each other on draft night. I think that's going to be a really cool story to watch moving forward. And I really just like the skill set that Killian Hayes brings to the table. I mean, this is a Pistons team that no longer has Reggie Jackson no longer has, obviously, Brandon Jennings from years uh, before. And Derrick Rose is in the final year of his contract. So they were going to need a point guard of the future in this draft. And that's why I like the Killian Hayes pick. You know, like you mentioned, Trent, versatile player, a tall player. You know, he's going to be able to guard bigger lead dominant. He's going to be able to guard ball dominant people in this league just because he's going to be able to stay in front of them and wall them off a little bit with his size but an advanced feel for the game as well an advanced passer you know has to iron out his shot a little bit but he's only 19 years old uh, I trust Dwayne Casey and his coaching staff to work with him he's you know high character guy he's going to put in the hours to become a better player but really the ceiling is high all the pieces are there the intangible things you look for are there you know great passer great feel for the game great size the tools are there for him to be a franchise guy, and I think that's what Troy Weaver was really looking for at this pick. So I'm excited about him. Yeah, you kind of picked your athletic raw wing last year with Sekou Domboya, obviously a bit of a project. I think he was 18 years old when he was drafted by the Pistons. Killian Hayes, now 19. And they're buddies. I think they have a little bit of a history. But now you're kind of seeing the nucleus of this rebuild start to take shape. Obviously, the Pistons trading off Andre Drummond, getting off Reggie Jackson. 
Blake Griffin's still in town, but who knows if that's going to last past the trade deadline. Same with Derrick Rose. It is time for the Pistons to rebuild, and they're finally doing that. And I think Troy Weaver really had a vision coming into this draft, uh, which obviously was not really, I wouldn't say a deep draft, but he really used his you know, assets uh, in the Bruce Brown trade, Luke Kennard's trade, whatever, and kind of just expanded the horizons here a little bit for the Pistons. And obviously in free agency, signing Mason Plumley, Jeremy Grant, Jalil Okafor, Josh Jackson. Uh, and the, the Pistons aren't done. They're going to continue to make some moves, but the rebuild has started. And, um, I mean, I guess that's all we got in terms of the Pistons. Stay tuned. NBA season starts December 22nd, uh, scheduled to come. But uh, I think we're going to roll into the Sparty Awards now. We've got a fun little Thanksgiving-themed Sparty Awards segment for all you guys listening, as Thanksgiving is now, as you're listening, five days away. So, uh, Sloan, I'll kick it to you to start off. Give me your top four Thanksgiving foods. What's your number one? My number one Thanksgiving food is definitely stuffing. I love stuffing. Shout out my grandmother, Grandmother Sloan, Grandma Sloan as we call her. She makes the best stuffing recipe on this earth. There's some celery in there, obviously bread, some sausage in there. I've been texting her all this week. I've been like, hey, did you go to the grocery store today to get those uh, stuffing ingredients for uh, the big day coming up next week? She's kept me updated. So thank you, Grandma. I'm sure you're going to be listening to this program, so shout out to Grandma. But stuffing is the first thing I look for on the Thanksgiving table. Obviously, Thanksgiving looks a little bit different this year, but it's the first thing that's going to be on my plate. Uh, you know, just noticing on the dock here, I don't want to drop any hints, but I don't see stuffing from either Trent or Hank, so that's kind of upsetting. But I'm going to, I'm going to roll on to you guys. Maybe we'll loop back to the stuffing thing, but uh, it's kind of disappointing that I'm kind of on my own little island with that take here. Yeah, you know, I've never been a big stuffing guy, uh, but the way you described your grandmother Sloan's stuffing, I would absolutely be all in on that. So let me just say in full transparency, not a stuffing guy here myself, but that sounds absolutely delicious. My I'll number one real quick. I'll yeah, hey, real what quick. do you think? What do you I, think I, of stuffing? I'll, I'll, my take on stuffing is it's fantastic, I'll say that. But also I want to throw out, it's very endearing the way you speak about texting your grandma all week you know that's that speaks volumes about your character man <laughs> yeah hey what can i say the, the the number one person who i text in my life right now is my grandmother about sports she's a big michigan football fan uh last i checked uh, michigan was down 14 nothing you know at the time of this program being taped obviously uh the listeners tomorrow will be able to determine whether that result was good or bad for michigan you know i've been talking to her a little bit about the quarterback battle cade mcnamara joe milton she likes Milton a lot. She wanted to know what happened to number five. I told her that he didn't play too well against Wisconsin. But, yeah, shout-out, Grandma, friend of the program. Yeah, you know what? That's awesome. Shout-out, Grandma Sloan. Shout-out everyone's grandma here. Everyone, I'm sure everyone, everyone's grandma listens to us. You know, it's good stuff. This is the beauty of student radio. They always want to tune in. They want to hear what we're talking about. They want to keep up with the sports world. But I guess I'll roll into my first pick here for the Sparty Awards. I am a huge potatoes guy. And I think I've got, to, I've got to narrow it down. I'm cheating a little bit here because I've got like a slash in there. I've got mashed slash cheesy potatoes. One of those two. I told my mom, you know, she texted us uh, in the family group chat earlier this week, and she said, what do we want for Thanksgiving? And I said, mashed potatoes, lots of it. It's got to have some garlic in there. It's going to be fantastic. I'm so excited for that. But also cheesy potatoes. Also, you know, a nice little uh, – potatoes are very versatile. You know, you, could, you also get your French fries. That's not a Thanksgiving food. But potatoes are just fantastic as it is. Hank, what do you think? 
I guess I'm kind of like the uh, I'm like the deciding factor on both of your guys' takes. I'll just I'll just weigh in. Yeah, but everything I'm, rides on you. Everything rides right. on you. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah. Also, I mean, it's not Thanksgiving if you don't have at least you know you know whatever. However you do it, you lay out your food, you go around. You, I mean, by the time you get to potatoes, you probably have a full plate. But you're like, you know what? I gotta throw some in there. Yeah, you just got right. So potatoes are like the the potatoes are like the three and D wing. They can yeah. do it all. You can use it anywhere. And it's a little bit of a Swiss Army knife, I would say. So shout out to Ireland. Shout out to Idaho. We got to have our potatoes on Thanksgiving. Sloan, we'll kick it back to you for your second pick. My second pick is also something that's going to be pretty controversial. Um, I can't remember the, the opinions of the former hosts of this show. Uh, shout out Julian Mitchell and Ryan Rabinowitz, because I think they might take some offense to this. But number two on my list is cranberry sauce. Now, it's not like fancy cranberry sauce like, you know, we're going to the cranberry bog and, you know, picking the cranberries out of there and mashing them up. I'm talking about cranberry sauce in a can, almost like jelly. Um, but it's very good. It's the second thing I go for after stuffing. So I'm, I'm starting to set a trend here. I don't know if uh, either one of you two are big cranberry sauce guys, but honestly, I wish it, uh, I wish it made more appearances. Huge, huge, bro. This, this is actually my number one. It's not Thanksgiving without cranberry sauce. And I don't really know, like, what's the difference is, like, can and all this. I don't think my mom – I think my mom makes it – I'm not going to say, like, like you said. I don't think it's a big deal. I don't know how she makes it. Anyways, got to have a cranberry sauce. I won't eat turkey without it. I, I, I'd probably eat it by itself if I could. And I, that's probably the dish. It, it would be my number one, and it's what I look forward to every Thanksgiving. All right, you guys, you guys have inspired me a little bit as Thanksgiving gets closer. I will say, and this is going to be outrageous to both of you guys, I've never even tried cranberry sauce. I don't even know what it tastes like. I don't even know what it is. Like, I, I always hear about it, right? Like, oh, cranberry sauce, it's like a thing. It's a staple, right? But I've never tried it. I guess I didn't realize you eat it by itself. Am I wrong? You eat it by itself? It can be both. It can be I, both. I, I mean, so. what do you put it on? The, I, I think I eat think it with the turkey. Yeah, I, I think it's more of a sauce that you put with the turkey, really. Okay, so it actually is a sauce. It's not like a it's yeah. not jello where you scoop it in. No, I mean, I mean, it's good enough like to the point where I would eat it probably alone, but I, you know, I wouldn't like get a bowl of it. You know, it's it's not that good. But it's it's a sauce, yeah. Okay. It tastes good with the stuffing too. Like honestly, if there's just some of it left on your plate, you know, eat a little bit of it with the potatoes. Eat a little bit of it with the stuffing. Uh, even eat a little bit of it with the sweet potatoes, which are also coming up on my list. Uh, subtle hints. I'm loving this though. Hank and I are just like in lockstep with Thanksgiving. I might have to. We might have to visit each other's Thanksgiving dinners down the lines. But I mean, honestly, it wouldn't be that different though. Hey, hey next year we'll we'll plan the friendsgiving. We'll just we'll have the menu will be like, without a doubt, just locked in. Yeah, I'm a little jealous that I'm kind of on the outside here, but I, I have a feeling I'm going to continue the trend right here. My, my second pick is mac and cheese. I'm just a huge mac and cheese guy. I'm not talking about craft mac and cheese. I'm talking about like the real stuff, the soupy, really cheesy. Uh, it can be the shell noodles. It can be, you know, the thicker macaroni noodles, whatever it is. I don't care. Homemade mac and cheese is always absolutely fantastic. And it's one of the first things that I put on my plate. So what are your guys' thoughts there? There's just something about mac and cheese on holidays. Like you think of like mac and cheese on the go, like that craft. I'm usually a craft guy, you know, in a rush, got to go to class, got to go to work, got to do whatever. But when you sit down for a meal with your family on a holiday and, and that big, you know, they pull that out from the oven and it's a big like beefy tray, authentic. like a glass bowl. Yes. Yeah, it's very authentic. They slap that down on the table. Way too hot to eat when it gets to the table. 
but you, you know, you put the spoon in there. It's just a process. It's when you think of quality Mac and cheese, you think of a holiday. So I I'm, I'm in lockstep. I don't want to sound like a Homer, you know, cause I'm agreeing with Trent's picks. I'm agreeing with Henry's picks, but love, love the pick. And that's all right. We're still only halfway through. So, so there's plenty of room for us to disagree here. Hank, what do you think of Mac and cheese? Yeah, I'm actually, I'm, I'm kind of an out, I'm an outsider here when it comes to this because I hear people talk about this all the time. I have never had mac and cheese at, at any holiday. Really? And, yeah. So I, I understand I'm probably on the, on the outsides of this, but when I think of, when I think of Thanksgiving, I think Christmas, whatever it is, you know, I, I don't, mac and cheese does not come to mind ever. So okay. in that sense. Well, you're also from the UP, so maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. I, I, just, I, I knew that was going to get a mention. I knew that was going to get <laughs> hey, at least one mention. I, I was I was you know this. I mentioned it at least once a show. I kind of throw Hank under the bus for being from the UP, but it's all love. Oh, it's you been know? brutal. We still love Hank, but Sloan, number three. We're on the back half now. What's your third pick? I just want to shed a little bit more light on the UP slander that I hear on this program frequently, like with the Halloween candy one. Henry was listing candies, and Trent was like, do they, do they have that candy downstate? Like it's he's acting like it's a different world sometimes. <laughs> it's a different world. It's a different country. It's a different planet up there. But you know what? I will say this about Hank. I always toot this horn. Hank is not a Packers fan, and he's from the UP. It's my favorite thing about Henry Menegos. So I have to throw that out there hey, before everyone jumps on me and says that I'm a, I'm hating on the UP and I'm hating on our guy Hank here. No, my favorite thing about Hank is that he is from the UP, and he is not a Green Bay Packers fan. So there I you have the it. Sloan, Sloan, what is your third pick for the Sparty Awards? Top four Thanksgiving foods. I wrote it down just like this on the show sheet. Number three is the bird, the turkey. I don't really have a preference between light meat and dark meat. Um, I know that uh, that's another hint for uh, what's going to be said later in Trent's picks. I don't really have a huge preference. Um, you know, the turkey can be fried, the turkey can be baked, the turkey can be roasted, grilled, uh, dark meat, light meat. I don't really care. Um, I just like the bird, a little gravy on there, pretty simple. Um, it should be higher on my list, probably. Um, you know, obviously, it's the centerpiece of the whole meal. Um, but number three is just simply the bird. Well, here's the thing. We don't really need to succumb to society's normal of, yeah, turkey is the best. Because I'm of the opinion that I enjoy turkey. I like it. I like dark meat turkey. There, I'll jump out of order. That was my fourth pick, but I'll say it third. Dark meat turkey is fantastic. Light meat turkey, that's where you start to lose me a little bit. It's too dry. I don't really like turkey that much. I just don't. I, I only eat it on Thanksgiving. Like, I enjoy it when I'm eating it because, yes, it's part of the vibe and the process and the tradition. And, you know, the lions are usually, like, either – they're hot and cold. There's it's zero or a hundred with the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving. We'll find out what the case is this year, and we'll talk about the Lions a little bit here, a little bit of a tease. But Hank, what do you think of turkey? I'm just a dark meat guy. I don't touch the light meat. But what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I, I actually don't understand how anybody has the appeal for light meat. Like you said, it's just it's dry. It's very very dry. Dark meat, on the other hand, I I actually do like turkey and would eat it probably more than we do as a as a culture. I say we could probably use more turkey, but uh, only dark meat, man. That's what the gravy's for. You just got to drown it in the gravy, and it doesn't yeah. matter if it's dry or if it's moist. Yeah, and, you know, I will say, kind of going back to the start of the Sparty Awards, if, if I'm dumping cranberry sauce on it, I really don't care, man. It's, I'm eating that right away. So that's, that's the most important factor. 
to you guys and your cranberry sauce. I'm, I'm gonna, I guess I'm gonna have to try cranberry sauce because I feel like an absolute yeah. alien here talking about this stuff and I've never even tried yeah, cranberry dude. sauce on both your guys' top four. Get, get Mama Bally out there. Get Mama Bally out there oh, making yeah. cranberry sauce this year. <laughs> hey, after the show, I'll go ask her. I'll see what she's thinking. Put it on but, the list. <laughs> put it on the list. But here's the deal. Sloan, final pick. What are you going to go with? You're Mr. Irrelevant here. What's it going to be? I have a familiar pick to the list, just a little bit lower than uh, you, Trent. Number four is mashed potatoes. I love mashed potatoes, though. They can really go with anything. Eat it with the turkey. Eat it with the cranberry sauce, the stuffing. Um, I love the way uh, my grandmother makes mashed potatoes. Once again, shout out, Grandma. She leaves them a little bit, like, lumpy. Like, I hate the mashed potatoes oh, yeah. that are just, like, smooth that you can just, like, drink out of a straw. Right, because like, that, that's the disgusting. kind of stuff that you – that's the kind of stuff you buy at the grocery store. It's, like, instant mashed potatoes. No, oh. we need the real deal. We need the chunks. It's just more authentic. It tastes better. It tastes more potato-y. I'm with you. A thousand percent. You know, the, she, you know, mashes up the potatoes, obviously mashed potatoes, but she puts the butter in there, puts the salt in there. Um, you know, every now and again, when you, you take a bite, there's, like, a potato in there. Um, it's just the authentic nature of it. But I'm a big mashed potato guy. You know, even just beyond turkey, you can eat them with ham. You can eat them with beef. Um, you know, Thanksgiving. I always say that Thanksgiving foods should be consumed on more days than just Thanksgiving. Uh, and mashed potatoes would definitely fall under that category. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we continue to be in lockstep, I guess, to, to coin the phrase. Um, I guess my final pick here is going to be ham. I, that's my go-to meat on Thanksgiving. It's not turkey. Of course I eat turkey, but I enjoy the ham. And I'm not talking about like deli ham, just sliced stuff, lunch meat kind of stuff. That's cute. It's good. If I'm making a grilled cheese or something like that, I'm down bad in college. I'm talking like thick ham and it tastes great. And it has skin. You cut the skin off of it and you eat the ham and it's juicy. It's a lot more tender than turkey is. It's just better than turkey. I have a feeling I, you guys are shaking your heads. Get in the mix here. What yeah. do we think of ham? Yeah, Trent, I just got to say, there are certain rules that as a society, we are expected to follow. Don't tell and me I'm doing it wrong, Hank. Don't tell me I'm it, doing it wrong. You're doing it really wrong because... I'm doing it my way. Because one of the main rules that as a society, as a functioning adult, you're supposed to just innately understand is that on Thanksgiving, we consume turkey. And on Christmas, we consume ham. That's the way it is. That's the way it's always been. That's the way it always should be. Don't be trying to create the two. We don't have two different meats on these days. We pick Hank, one are you going to have ham on Thanksgiving? Will ham be available to the Menegos family on no, Thanksgiving? No. Really? Christmas Day, man. Christmas Day, you get the pig. You get the suckling pig with the apple. Like in the movies. I'm not, I mean, you do really that? Do you no, get we the don't. Apple? That'd be cool. Though. I was going to say, you guys, uh, you guys might be psychotic if you get the apple. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> we don't do that. That'd be kind of cool. But uh, anyways, <laughs> the, the point being here, don't, don't be confusing holidays here. I know they're kind of close. I know it's the holiday season. And I, you know, whatever, but, but you get one meat and, and you, you like it. It's just the way it is. Okay. Man. Turkey, in my opinion, is just objectively not that good. I eat it on Thanksgiving because it's part of the tradition. I understand. It's not, definitely not bad, but I just like ham better than turkey. Sloan, what do you think? I mean, this is like, if I walked into like a Thanksgiving and there was like a turkey and a ham, you know, obviously – you know, not, this is no slander on the Bally Thanksgiving. You know, I'd love to attend the Bally Thanksgiving. They got the mac, they got the mac and cheese. They got the mashed potatoes. But if I walked in and I, I saw a ham and I saw a turkey, I would think, man, this is really like, is it Christmas? Is it, is it uh, New Year's? Is it 
Thanksgiving, I'd be kind of really stuck in between, not going to lie. It's a turkey holiday. Well, let me say this. I, I think I have to give a little context here before we close the book on the Sparty Awards for this week. My mom's side of the family is very big. We have a big get-together with my mom's side, obviously not doing that this year. But usually, that's, I, kind of, I kind of think that's the reason for the ham is you run out of dishes for people to bring, right? So someone just brings a ham. But me personally enjoying ham more than turkey, I'm just going to have more ham. I'm going to have turkey, but I'm going to have more of the ham because I enjoy it more. It's juicier. It's tender. Like I said, whatever. But, Hank, you have a couple honorable mentions. So before we officially move on and talk about some Detroit Lions football, what do you got? Yeah, I, I thought about this for a second, and I, don't, I didn't come up with like a bunch of honorable mentions or anything. Um, but for me, and I'm curious to, to hear what you guys have to say about this, uh, one of my go-tos at Thanksgiving is the um, – well, okay, let me start by saying this actually first. You got to have the bread. It's got to be good, man. You got to have a piece of bread with it. Oh, boy. You're going to put bread in your top four for Thanksgiving foods? You can I'm have bread any day of the those, week, Hank. I'm not talking about no Sara Lee slice of the loaf. I'm talking about, like, the, the good, like, the baguette that you come out of the oven, you know, and you got butter on and all that. Okay. That's fair. With, but are I'm you telling me. me there aren't four better foods on Thanksgiving than bread? Yeah. Okay. You know what? That's a great point. But I, <laughs> bread, yeah, yeah, yeah. Honorable mention. Honorable mention. That's what it's all about mention. Yeah, you got to throw it out right. there. Next thing, here, here's what I really want to hear what you guys think about it. It's my last one. Rutabaggy. What is that? I, Trent, I knew <laughs> you were going to do that, man. I knew you were going to I don't think Sloan knows either. Sloan, you know, know. We put rutabaga in the pasties. My grandmother's a youper. Yeah, there you go. But I was going to yeah. say, this has to be a UP thing. Fill us in. And fill our listeners in too, Hank, because I have a feeling a lot yeah. of people are in the same boat as me. Maybe not, but what, what are you talking a, about? This might be more UP-centric. I'm not sure. Sloan, you, you know what rutabagas are, though, right? You said that? You have it on Thanksgiving? Love it. I've never had it on Thanksgiving. I'm familiar yeah. with it just because I've eaten a lot of pasties in my day. Um, but I could see enjoying it on Thanksgiving. My upbringing, rutabaga has been incorporated as a staple to Thanksgiving cuisine. Uh, one of my favorite things to go to, rutabaga is like, I don't know how to describe this, man. I'm not, I'm not very good at like, But it's like the... Uh, it's like a root vegetable, like kind of like potato, I guess. And uh, it's kind of sweet, I guess. I don't know. But you can mash it up. You kind of make like mashed potato type of consistency out of it. Very sweet, very good. It's kind of like, it's like sweet potato and mashed and like regular potato mixed. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Like the sweet potatoes can be kind of runny sometimes. So like I could see like a rutabaga being like a little bit more like substantial. A little hard. But still sweet. <laughs> I can get down with that. Yeah, anyways. That's another thing. You got you to try it out, man. Get, get Mama Bally. Be like, hey, rutabaggies. Find out what they are and cook it. Yeah, shout out Mama Bally. We need rutabaggies or whatever they shout are. Out. Just look, yeah. it up on, look it up on up.com. You, you guys are inspiring me because I think I'm going to have to give this a shot. I love potatoes, as I already mentioned about 10 minutes ago. So we're going to have to maybe dive into the rutabaggie scene. But um, that concludes our Sparty Awards to all of our listeners. Have a fantastic Thanksgiving meal and enjoy yourselves while watching the Detroit Lions. What a segue. I'm a pro at this kind of stuff. Let's go. We're talking about the Detroit Lions playing the Carolina Panthers on Sunday. Obviously not Thanksgiving Day. We'll get to that game, you know, next week. But, uh, you know, the Detroit Lions, obviously right now at 4-5, and five, season not completely lost yet. There is a sliver of hope. There's a heartbeat. There's a pulse. 
Uh, Matthew Stafford is a go against the Carolina Panthers, finding that out on Saturday night after he was questionable with a partially torn ligament in his throwing hand. Not great news if you're a Lions fan. Uh, also not great news. Many key players are out on the Detroit side of the ball. Kenny Galladay, DeAndre Swift, Danny Amendola, Austin Bryant, Deshaun Hand, Trey Flowers, to name a few, will not be going on Sunday against the Carolina Panthers. But the Panthers are hurting as well. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, arguably the best running back in the league, uh, he is not going to go. And Teddy Bridgewater, quarterback, is going to be a game-time decision. So uh, a lot of outside factors coming in. This could be one of the more ugly games we see all season between two uh, average to below average teams here. So, um, you know, Sloan, I'll kick it to you first. What are the keys to victory for the Lions to beat the Panthers, really get back on track, get back to 500, and position yourself to make a little bit of a run here going into the last lap of the season? I really think with all these injuries in tow um, that this game really is going to reside in the line of scrimmage for the Lions. Um, you know, whether, you know, starting with getting a good pass rush on Teddy Bridgewater, uh, like you mentioned, no Christian McCaffrey. Um, Mike Davis has been a pretty solid option for them in the run game in McCaffrey's absence. But whether it's Teddy Bridgewater, whether it's P.J. Walker, um, they're going to be relying on the pass a little bit more. Uh, you know, D.J. Moore, Curtis Samuel, and others, they have a pretty good uh, core of pass catchers. So they're going to be leaning on the pass no matter which quarterback it is. So establishing a pass rush early and often uh, is going to be important to make sure that they don't get in a groove. Uh, you know, especially Jeff Okuda, um, you know, Desmond Trufant still recovering from that injury. Um, you know, you want, to put, you want to put the pressure on them a little bit more. Um, and then on the offensive side as well, uh, no DeAndre Swift for the Lions, obviously, but this is a young Panthers defense. Um, once again, shout out Nathan Stearns, friend of the program. Uh, I know a lot about the Panthers because of what Nathan tells me. And this Panthers defense is a really young group. Um, I think he might have said eight starting rookies are projected to play uh, on Saturday. So I think it's going to start with, you know, feeding uh, Adrian Peterson early, feeding Adrian Peterson often, and really dominating the line of scrimmage, setting up a little play action to TJ Hawkinson. Once again, no matter if it's Chase Daniel or Stafford, I think it's going to be Stafford. Um, but I think really dominating the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball uh, is going to be important against a wounded Panthers team and not really a Panthers team that's, uh, you know, a ton superior to this Lions team. I think it's a pretty evenly matched uh, game. Yeah, I mean, Sloan, if there's one thing we know as Lions fans about Daryl Bevel, offensive coordinator, is that he likes to establish the run early and often. And obviously that's where the blow uh, really comes when DeAndre Swift is not able to play. Uh, dealing with concussion protocol. Kind of a shady injury, by the way. Not much has been released about the details thereof, but uh, you assume it happened in practice or something, uh, and you hope he, he's ready to go on Thanksgiving Day. But, uh, yeah, you're dealing with DeAndre Swift. So, as you said, Sloan, it's Adrian Peterson going to be taking uh, the lion's share of the load, no pun intended. Obviously, on Johnson. You got him to mix in there as well. So, uh, we'll see how the Lions are able to do that. But, Sloan, I completely agree with you. It starts and ends in the trenches. If the Lions are able to give – a banged-up Matthew Stafford, time to throw, he'll still beat you. He's just too good. Um, and, and against this Carolina Panthers defense, um, it is a young defense, but it's a savvy defense. And I think Matt Rule has this roster really fired up. So you definitely cannot overlook the competition. And not to mention the fact that Stafford is playing. You know, obviously he's got his hand injury, but also uh, a depleted, you know, arsenal of weapons. No Danny Amendola, no DeAndre Swift out of the backfield. And, you know, your big dog, Kenny Galladay, in the wideout. So I think you're really going to look at TJ Hawkinson to have a big game. You're going to look at Marvin Jones to step up. Marvin Jones, by the way, playing fantastic in the last 
three weeks without Kenny Galladay, he has four touchdowns, really stepping up to the plate. So I would look at TJ Hawkinson and Marvin Jones to have big days. Marvin Hall also probably going to get the start in the slot, I would assume. Mohamed Sanu getting pulled up from the practice squad. You might see him get a couple balls thrown his way. The rookie Quintez Cephas. Matthew Stafford is just going to have to spread the wealth here for the Lions to win. And you bring up a very good point as well on the Carolina Panthers defense, uh, or excuse me, the Detroit Lions defense. That secondary is pretty banged up. Uh, Jeff Okuda is a rookie. De- uh, Desmond Trufant hasn't really, I mean, he hasn't played, I don't think, half the games this season. Same with Justin Coleman. So you're really kind of worried there and you're holding your breath if you're the Lions. You just want to contain Robbie Anderson and DJ Samuel and, uh, or DJ Muir and Curtis Samuel, whatever. All those guys, you just want to keep them in check. And whether or whether or not Teddy Bridgewater is a go, you just have to get pressure on him. Because he is, you know, obviously he can make plays when asked to do so. So if he does play, you have to get pressure. But if he doesn't play, you're dealing with who's, who's Carolina's backup? It's escaping me. I think it's a former XFL legend, uh, P.J. Walker. I think he played for the <laughs> Hello. the Houston Renegades. I think it was the Houston Renegades franchise, uh, former Temple quarterback. Um, he's a mobile guy, so that could be something that the Lions have to look out for if there's no Bridgewater. Um, but nevertheless, uh, you know, hasn't made a start this year, played pretty sparingly. Uh, he'd definitely be thrown into the fire. Yeah, and the Lions obviously struggling to stop the run all season long. If you're a Detroit fan, you know exactly what I mean. But, I mean, this is just kind of a game between two pretty evenly matched teams. Um, and now you're kind of dealing with, the fundamentals of football all over again in Sloan. That's exactly why I agree with you. It's going to start and end in the trenches, get pressure on the quarterback, give Stafford time to throw. And I think the Lions should win. I believe they're about field goal favorites, three and a half, something about something around there. I think the Lions cover the spread and win comfortably. Um, whatever comfortably is for you for the Detroit Lions, that is up for you to decide to our listeners. But uh, yeah, Henry, you giving us a nice little update producer of the year. There is no line yet on this game, but uh, we will, we will have more, of that to come. I guess now we'll roll into our NFL picks. Um, no Ryan Collins this week, so we're not really going to give you an update on uh, the standings here and our, our uh, records in terms of picking these games for the week. But, Hank, I'm going to kick it over to you. This is usually your segment. You drive a little bit here, so, so give it to us. NFL picks, here we go. All right, and before we get into it, I just want to clarify, uh, Will Greer will actually be the backup for the Panthers. Okay, tomorrow. that's right. I forgot it. You drafted last season, correct? Last offseason? I think, yeah, I believe so. P.J. Walker serving as the third string. So I uh, just want to clarify that real quick. But, yeah, we'll move Right of West quick. Virginia. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Hey, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll move into the picks here. Um, so, yeah, we'll just get right into it. First game, Eagles trying to play the Browns. Browns favored, minus two and a half. You know, I'm seeing a lot of people pick the Eagles. I really don't know why. Uh, I don't buy the Eagles. I don't think they're going to win this division. I think the Cowboys are going to win the division, which pains me to say because as a Detroit Lions fan, I have no greater disdain in my heart outside of Green Bay, Minnesota, Chicago, or any NFL team other than the Dallas Cowboys. But the schedule's favorable. That's neither here nor there. I really like what the Browns are doing. I think Baker Mayfield kind of figures it out. He's got Nick Chubb back in the mix. That's a little bit of a um, safety net there, if you will. And I just think the, the, the Browns ultimately find a way to get it done and win by at least a field goal. So I'll take the Browns to cover. Eagles laying two and a half points here. I honestly have them in a close one. Um, you know, the Cleveland Browns, one of the worst teams in the league, uh, covering running backs out of the backfield. 
I look for the Eagles to get Miles Sanders involved in this one heavily as a pass catcher. And I see this as a really close game, like a, a battle to 20, 25, uh, similar to the Browns-Texans game last week. You know, the Eagles are a weird team. The Browns are a weird team, too. Hot start. You know, they've been cold of late. But I see kind of a, a big Miles Sanders game, a kind of a breakout game late in the season being the difference in this one. Next game, Falcons travel to play the Saints. Saints favored. Minus three and a half, no Drew Brees. Yeah, this is kind of a sucker line, I think, because you definitely see the talent on the side of the Falcons here, and you kind of wonder, you know, are they going to beat the Saints, let alone cover? Um, but ultimately, I just kind of like Sean Payton's game plan heading into this game. I think they're really going to attack Matt Ryan. They're going to take advantage of a bad Atlanta defense. And I don't really care if it's Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston or if they split, split uh, snaps or whatever uh, playing time. I just think the Saints are going to win this game by a touchdown. So I'll pick the Saints to cover. You know, this line has had some pretty interesting movement. Uh, I think it opened up as Saints minus four and a half. Uh, you know, the, the Falcons are getting another point here. But I have the Saints covering two, Trent. Uh, I think Taysom Hill is going to get the start for them. Uh, I'm not a huge Taysom Hill believer. I think they can. I think Sean Payton can kind of uh, be guilty of being a little too fancy with him sometimes. Um, so I think – Actually, I think Jameis Winston is going to end up getting more of the reps under center in this game for uh, the Saints. And I like Winston's abilities as a thrower. I mean, obviously, he's got to take better care of the football. Everybody knows about what happened last year in Tampa Bay. Um, but still, pound for pound, talent-wise, um, I think the Saints have an edge in this one. And I think they'll win by at least a touchdown as well. Yeah, real quick, real quick, just to add to that, Sloan, I, I completely agree in terms of the quarterback situation there. I think while Taysom Hill is your starter, quote-unquote, I think it could be a little smoke and mirrors by the fantastic Sean Payton. And I would ultimately look at Jameis Winston to get a pretty decent amount of snaps in this game. I don't even know if it's going to be on a quarter-to-quarter -quarter basis. Who the hell knows, especially with this division. But, um, yeah, I, I think that just kind of adds to the fire. I still believe in Jameis Winston. I still think he's a very competent quarterback. So I'll, that adds to the fire here. I got the Saints as well. Next game, Bengals traveling to play the Washington football team. Washington favored, minus one and a half. Washington coming off a very close loss to my very own Detroit Lions. Alex Smith may be having the best game of his career, which is outrageous because uh, it's post-injury now. Obviously, that horrendous injury to his, his leg, um, and he played fantastic against the Detroit Lions. What people are forgetting is it is the Detroit Lions. And Joe Burrow is doing fantastic things in Cincinnati, and I'm going to pick the Bengals to actually win this game outright. Yeah, I'm thinking along the same lines as you. I have the Bengals bouncing back in a pretty big way, um, you know, getting a point and a half. You know, I think that's pretty favorable for the Bengals bouncing back and beating them. I'm pretty high on Joe Burrow's career prospects. Um, I really like what he brings to the table, his skill set. But obviously, you know, shout out Alex Smith. Um, had a great performance against the Lions in a losing effort. But I think that uh, I'm taking Burrow and the Bengals in this one. Next game, undefeated Steelers traveling to play the Jaguars. Steelers favored minus 10 and a half. You know, the Steelers getting lots of press nowadays. They are 9-0. They are undefeated. The problem is I think they only have two games where they have won by more than seven points. So they've won more, more than one. They've won by more than one score only twice. Uh, so I this is a weird one. If if the Jaguars kind of had their quarterback situation figured out a little bit more, I would take the Jags, but I do think the Steelers end up rolling this week. They keep it rolling. They move to 10 and 0. Yeah, Steelers getting a lot of points in this one, obviously 10 and a half. Um but Jake Luton 
you know, lining up under center for the Jags. I'd be, you know, if, if it was Gardner Minshew uh, as the opposite starting quarterback, I'd be a little bit more inclined to pick the Jags in the points. But because he's not suiting up and because I've been, just been so impressed with what the Steelers have been able to do defensively, you know, even after losing Devin Bush, you know, standout linebacker, you know, they really haven't missed a beat. Uh, so I have them covering as well. Trent, I want to go back. What was that? What was that stat you said about Pittsburgh? They're t- they're nine and zero, but I believe only two of their wins are by more than one score. So they're all close games. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I was just looking at their. I was trying to fact check that really quick, and it looks like you're yeah, right. They've been. They only have two games where they win by more than a touchdown. I would say. So yeah. Yeah, they haven't been great against the spread this year at all. So it's it's an interesting line. Excellent, uh, excellent stat there to throw. Uh, next game, we got the Titans traveling to play the Ravens. Ravens play favored minus six. I love the Titans in this one. I don't know why. I, I really can't tell you why. I think I'm not one of those people who's on the Ravens kind of anti-bandwagon of like, oh, Lamar Jackson isn't what he was last year. Obviously, the numbers aren't there, but he's still a bona fide uh, quarterback. And I would say maybe the best quarterback ever when he has a lead because you can just run the ball down the opponent's throat and he's fantastic. But the Titans, man, I just like what they're doing there with Derrick Henry. I mean, he might be the best overall player in football. I know that's kind of a hot take, but he can do a whole lot of things, make a lot of things happen. Ryan Tannehill, obviously, a little bit of ups and downs this season. But I just like the Titans to at least cover the six points. I don't know if they'll actually win the game. um, But I like the Titans to keep it close and cover the points. Trent, you and I are kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum with this uh, Titans at Ravens game. Uh, Ravens minus six. I have them covering and winning pretty big. Um, I haven't really seen enough defensive or special teams contributions this year by the Titans, especially as of late. Uh, You know, they've relied on Derrick Henry a lot. Ryan Tannehill not playing as well as he was earlier in the season, and they've been in kind of free fall mode because of it. Obviously, the Ravens had a pretty, you know, emotional kind of gutty loss uh, to the Patriots last week. Uh, You know, obviously some questions about Lamar Jackson, about his fit, about the offense. But I like this as a nice bounce back win for the Ravens coming home. uh, You know, I give John Harbaugh the benefit of the doubt in most situations. I really respect him as a coach. And I think this is a situation where I'm going to go with the Ravens. I don't want to give up on Lamar Jackson and the Ravens just yet. I feel like it would be really, really be telling if they lost this game. You know, obviously they lost to the Titans in the playoffs last year, so they're going to want this one a little bit more. But I'm still hanging on with the Ravens, uh, holding out a little bit of hope. Next game, we got the Patriots favored two and, minus two and a half, traveling to play the Texans. Love the Patriots here, and I never thought I'd have those words come out of my mouth, love the Patriots in any facet. But listen, Cam Newton is on a mission. I don't whether or not you like the guy, I don't really care. I mean, whether or not you think he's still an average to, you know, above average quarterback, I don't really care. Bill Belichick also, uh, I, I mean, he's clawing for his life, let's just tell it how it is, to win this divorce with Tom Brady. And it's actually a really interesting storyline. And if the Patriots are able to get back to 500 this week, that just gets even more luster going into the rest of the season because you saw the Bills lose a really close one last week. And this division is still wide open. Obviously, the Dolphins playing really well after benching Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua Tagovailoa. We'll get to the Dolphins in a bit. But I just like the Patriots to cover. I, I, I just don't really trust what the Texans are doing. Uh, they've kind of been behind the eight ball ever since the start of the season firing Bill O'Brien after week four. Deshaun Watson's a magic man. He can make some things happen, but he can't do it alone. I'm going to take the Patriots and that defense and Cam Newton. I think it's going to be a low-scoring affair, but I absolutely think the Patriots can win by a field goal and cover that line. 
I'm pretty shocked that the Patriots are only laying two and a half in this game. I kind of see a similar path to victory uh, as you do, Trent. I really think they're going to dominate both lines of scrimmage. I think they're really going to try to establish the run against the Texans. You know, that's a defense that's kind of uh, reeling. You know, obviously interim coach Romeo Cornell, uh, Bill O'Brien was, you know, former Patriots coordinator Bill O'Brien got moved on from quite a while ago. But I really like the confidence that Cam Newton is gaining as well. You know, obviously he had COVID-19. A lot of people were calling for his job after a pretty rough start. You know, they were playing different quarterbacks against the Chiefs. But he's really bounced back in a big way, and he's starting to prove the doubters wrong and gain confidence. And I really like the direction of that Patriots team. I think they're starting to gel on both sides of the ball. I've got them uh, winning pretty big in this one. Next game, we got the Dolphins traveling to play the Broncos. Dolphins favored, minus three and a half. Hank knows this from following my NFL takes all season, I actually really believe in the Broncos to make noise this year. I don't really know the defense. I like that coach. Um, for that reason, I guess I'm going to just kind of put some line faith in this team. That was my hot take of the year. I think the Broncos cover. Look, the, the, the Dolphins are kind of the flavor of the flavor of the week here. Um, Tua Tungavailoa hasn't lost as a starter yet, so that's a storyline to watch for sure. Uh, three and a half, I could easily see it being the Dolphins win by a field goal. But, yeah, I'll take the Broncos to cover the line just for fun. I don't see this being a pretty game for Tua Tagovailoa and the Dolphins offense. I respect Vic Fangio and the defensive mind that he is. So I think he's going to dial up a pretty good game plan for to attack this Dolphins offense. But the Dolphins have been able to win in some pretty weird ways. When they need to lean on their defense a little bit, Brian Flores in year two has been able to kind of cook up some magic on that side of the ball. I see them winning in, a, in kind of a weird game. I'm going to pick the Broncos, uh, you know, getting three and a half. I think this is a game the Dolphins could win by like a field goal. So I'm going to take the Broncos in the points. But I think the Dolphins, uh, they could gut it out. I, I believe in them winning in ways outside of Tua. Next game, we got the Jets traveling to play the Chargers. Chargers favored minus nine and a half. Chargers got a little bit of a funky situation going on. Obviously, Justin Herbert, fantastic. I've been super impressed with him so far this year. But it hasn't really translated to wins yet. And you can't really put that on him because this roster isn't quite uh, where it should be. Joey Bosa calling out the defensive uh, side of the you know roster, just saying, guys, if the ball is thrown to you, you have to catch the ball. You have to force turnovers. We can't put it all on Justin Herbert, this young quarterback, to win us these games. Nine and a half is a lot of points, but the Jets are a they're they're terrible. I mean, we're, I'm running out of adjectives for the New York Jets in 2020. So I'm going to take Justin Herbert and the Chargers to win this game by at least 10. This could really be a confidence builder for him, as I really do think the Jets are trying to. I'm not going to say they're trying to lose games, but I don't necessarily think they're rolling into every week with their best game plan. So I'm going to take the Chargers. Justin Herbert uh, got a haircut this week. Um, that was pretty infamously uh, portrayed on Twitter. And for that reason, I'm picking the Jets and the points, and I'm going to leave it at that. Great reasoning, Sloan. Fantastic. <laughs> Next game, we have the Packers traveling play the Colts. Colts favored minus one and a half at home. We're seeing the Packers' weakness. We're starting to see it. They can't stop the run as well as they always have been able to. And, you know, the Colts, they've got some two running back sets. I, I – as a Lions fan, you know, I've been saying all year, the Colts are fool's gold to me. I don't really buy what they're doing. I don't really buy Phillip Rivers as the quarterback there. But in Indianapolis, I don't know. They are favored to win the game. I'm going to pick the Colts to win I, uh, somehow. I don't know if it's 
maybe they won't cover the spread here, but I'm going to pick them to cover the spread. I think the Packers were starting to see that midseason lull, and I think we might see the locker room in Green Bay start to erupt a little bit as the Packers start to feel that pressure with the Lions climbing back into the mix. We'll get into that in a little bit here, but I'm going to pick the Colts. There's really a lot riding on this game for both teams. You know, Packers potentially in a position to get a first-round bye, uh, thinking about the playoffs. Colts in the driver's seat for the AFC South. I'm also riding the Colts in this one. You know, I've been a big – I'm a big Frank Wright guy. I'm a big fan of what he does with that team's offense. You know, every year it seems like they're undermanned with injuries or quarterback problems. Obviously, Andrew Luck getting sidelined a couple years back. But it seems like they always do enough to pull out a couple wins where you say – Oh, you know, you know, obviously they're favored by a point and a half, but you know, most people are probably going to be picking Packers and I wouldn't be surprised if it, you know, it's that line shifted more of the, you know, in the favor of the Packers, but I really like what they do on offense. And I think they're sneaky on defense too. Uh, So I have the Colts in this one. You know, real quick, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that the Packers almost embarrassingly got beaten by the Jacksonville Jaguars last week. So that also factors in. I don't think the Packers are playing their best football right now. So let's just leave it at that. That's the Jake Luton-led uh, Jacksonville right. Jaguars. Not, not Minshew. Even the, not, not even Minshew. Minshew Mania. Not even Minshew Mania. And the Lions handled the Minshew Mania Jags in Jacksonville. So, you know, pretty telling game. I agree with you, Trent. Lions better than the Packers? Question? <laughs> okay, okay. Here we go. <laughs> Moving on. Next game, we got the Cowboys traveling with the Vikings. Vikings, um, Vikings favored minus seven. Skull Vikes. Oh, Hank, you know, I, for the sake of my Lions fandom, I want to pick the Cowboys. And I know I earlier kind of prefaced that I think the Cowboys are going to end up winning this ridiculously awful, embarrassing NFC East division. But it's just kind of running down their foot. Cook, the best back in football, one healthy, in my humble opinion. So I'm going to pick the Vikings to – you know what? I'm going to pick the Cowboys to cover. Vikings win, though. Vikings win by four or three points, three or four points. But I'll take the, the Cowboys to cover the seven. Mike Zimmer has got a really young defensive unit. I have really liked the way that that side of the ball has gelled for them. Um, you know, the Cowboys are going to start Andy Dalton in this game. You know, that's kind of a questionable decision. You know, how much more does he bring you than Garrett Gilbert? And they've been at least a little bit more competent with Garrett Gilbert uh, under center. I have the Vikings covering in this game. You know, Kirk Cousins got that Monday night football monkey off of his back last week, finally winning uh, against the Bears, another big black and blue division game. Um, I have them covering this game. Bikes by a million at home. Next game, we got the Chiefs favored minus eight, traveling to play the Raiders. Love the Chiefs in this one. I am not a John Gruden guy, contrary to many. I know everyone loves John Gruden. So I just kind of have a vendetta against the Raiders for no other reason than I don't really like John Gruden. But the Chiefs. I believe they're really hearing all this talk about, you know, oh, the Ravens are better and the Steelers are better. No, the Chiefs are still the best team in the NFL, absolutely, in my opinion. So I'm going to pick the Chiefs to win and win big by at least 10 or more. Andy Reid was pretty vocal this week leading up to this game about how he didn't like the actions of the Raiders after their win in Arrowhead earlier in the season. Uh, the, the Raiders took a kind of a victory lap around Arrowhead Stadium after that win. Um, I think on paper, obviously, the Chiefs win this matchup. Um, but I like them pretty big because I think they feel disrespected. You know, they're going to Raiders territory, and I think they're going to want to hang just 100 points on them. So I have them big in this game. It's kind of a revenge game on the schedule for them. 
All right, next game, we got the Rams traveling to play the Bucks. Bucks favored by minus four on Monday night. You know, similarly to everything I just said about the Kansas City Chiefs, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are still one of, if not the best team in the NFC. So I'm going to pick them to win big. Obviously, coming off a big uh, loss to the Saints two weeks ago, and kind of exposing a few things in their offense and defense. And the, you know, the defense is starting to tail off a little bit after some very impressive performances. But look, the Rams are just too inconsistent for me. Jared Goff and company, a little too up and down. I still think they've got a shot to make the playoffs in this expanded seven-team format. But I just like the Bucs and Tom Brady to, at home, in the warm weather, get a win. I'm going to take the Rams and the points here. Um, the Rams' new defensive coordinator, Brandon Staley, I've really liked what he's done with that side of the ball so far in Los Angeles year one. You know, the Bucks offense still trying to figure out where all these different pieces fit. You know, you, you have Antonio Brown, you have Chris Godwin, you have Mike Evans, but still trying to make that unit gel. You know, I think they're having some difficulties. I don't think the Rams are going to win this game, but I'm going to take them in the points getting four. Sorry, I was on mute. We love Zoom. Last game here, we got the Lions traveling to play the Panthers. As we mentioned, no line on this game. I'm not sure if that's because – doesn't matter. doesn't matter what the line is. Lions cover. Lions win. I don't care. One pride. Lions stay alive. My faith in the Detroit Lions is my faith in Matthew Stafford. How do you like that for math equation? My faith in the Detroit Lions equals my faith in Matthew Stafford. I think Matthew Stafford comes out – wins this game for you single-handedly, as has he done for all the Lions wins so far. You look back at the schedule, every single time it's been a game-winning drive, every time the Lions have won a game, except the Jacksonville dismantling, of course. But look, the Lions are down bad in terms of injuries. I'm not going to act like that's not a big thing. It is. It's going to it's gonna be a factor in this game. I think the Lions might have a little trouble getting after um, the quarterback, whoever it may be for Carolina. Um, obviously, Teddy Bridgewater, again, a game-time decision. But look, Everson Griffin had a fantastic week last week. Five quarterback hits, one sack against the Washington football team. I think he keeps it rolling. Uh, you start to see him and Romeo Quara start to gel a little bit more on that line. They're going to be the guys that have to carry that load. And I just like the Lions more than the Panthers in terms of the roster, their quarterback, and not the coach. But, you know, that's a different story for another day. Uh, but I'll take the Lions to win. I don't really care what the spread is. I think the Lions win, keep afloat and they go 500, they go into Thanksgiving with a 500 record. It's going to be interesting to see what this line closes as. I mean, it could be a pick em. I mean, either team could be favored by one. Um, but I'm on the Lions train, no matter what this looks like. I'm really interested to see uh, these secondary pieces on the Lions offense, what kind of games they have. on Johnson's expected to be, get more carries. You know, I've been a vocal advocate of Carrion Johnson, you know, wanting him to get more touches, even though they have DeAndre Swift, they have Adrian Peterson. So I think he could take this opportunity potentially to, you know, contribute to a win for the Lions. Quintez Cephas, Marvin Hall are both slated for some more action in this game. I'm super excited about seeing what both of them can do. And then on defense as well, you know, obviously the advantage is big in the Lions' favor. They, they have their starting quarterback and the Panthers don't. Um, you know, this Lions team is really gelling, especially this Lions defense. Um, they've done a better job against the run. Um, they're gonna, the Panthers are probably going to lean on the run a little bit more with the backup quarterback. So I see them kind of bottling up their run a little, you know, pretty effectively and, and winning pretty handily. Um, I like the Lions in this game. And I'm not, a lot, I'm not uh, you know, I don't want to get too overconfident with the Lions, but, uh, you know, they gutted out that win against Washington and they're headed in the right direction, I think, especially headed into Thanksgiving. 
you know, they see Houston coming up. You know, that's a game they always circle. The fans always circle. So this could be a little opportunity for them to make a run. Yes, yeah, Sloan, I appreciate all the analysis there because you're no me. You know, I mean, uh, Hank always chalks up one pride on the picks every week because he doesn't even have to listen to my spiel. He knows I'm going to pick the Lions until I die, and it's going to be the undoing of me eventually. But if anyone else has anything to add, go for it. If not, speak now and forever hold your peace. Hey, we love, we love, the, uh, we love the nighttime green, green and white, man. Yeah, the nighttime green and white. We're getting done now at about 10.05. We're going to go out for a nightcap. Just kidding. We're not doing any of that stuff. But here it is. Green and White Report, Trent Bally, Luke Sloan, Henry Menegos. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, if you missed the episode, which everyone is listening, recommend the podcast to your buddies. Just listen. Enjoy some NFL football today. Enjoy Thanksgiving on Thursday. We'll be back on the other side of Thanksgiving. Will it be December the next time we record? I don't know. Oh, no, it won't. it won't. It won't be. Not, not officially yet, but there could be some snow on the ground. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, from all of us here at Impact 89FM, thanks for checking us out. We will see you next week. You have been listening to The Green and White Report on WDBM. For all your sports news and notes, go to impact89fm.org sports.